0: You're on Team Human, Conscious Intervention in the Machine. Here's a preview of this week's bonus content. It's a panel I was on during September's unfinished live at The Shed in New York City entitled, A Better Web is Possible, How Do We Make It Happen? Team Human patrons received $200 tickets to the Unfinished Live for free, and it was just one of the many perks of becoming a teammate. You can become a contributing member of the team today for as little as 2 bucks a month to receive access to our community Discord and help keep our audio engineer fed. We've got lots of live events and other perks, so please do consider becoming a supporting member of the team. Just visit patreon.com slash teamhuman or go to teamhuman.fm and Click on support. I think the easiest way to think about Web 3.0, just easiest is what we used to call like Napster and Tor networks and LimeWire. You know, just a a where your stuff, where the data is kind of distributed amongst all these little seating peers rather than sitting on big servers. And there's lots of possibilities for other kinds of of, of uh, distributed software and distributed authentication once you do that. Once you have that, you can do things like blockchain and file sharing and uh, uh, surveillance-free uh, interaction and user ownership. You know, it's all sort of predicated on that.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting that we seem to have drawn a bright line between what is web two and what is web three, when in reality, a similar sort of set of groups and institutions really shape the the digital space regardless, right, and so I think what we need to do is take those institutions and, and groups at face value and recognize that we're not, you know, the title of our panel is a better web is possible. I think a better web is possible. I think we're not going to get it unless we incorporate a meaningfully different, you know, group of people if we we don't use meaningfully different structures of power than we did before. We're not going to transition without really reckoning with those foundations, right? And so I don't think we can just technologically disrupt our way to a better web, to a different Web3, but we certainly can get there if we're willing to reckon with those structures of power. And I think you know, there is an interaction backwards between the tech structures we use and how power is distributed. So it's possible that certain kinds of decentralization lead to decentralization of power. It's possible that certain kinds of decentralization don't. And it's our job to figure out, you know, when we're talking about decentralization, is it a network architecture question? Is it an ownership question? Is it a voice question? And I'm much more interested, I guess, in the latter than the former, but recognize that one can lead to the other.
0: I feel like this is keying it right up for you.
2: (laughs) Yes. um, First, I hope everybody can appreciate that uh, Zoom really helped us uh, have trends in front of us. So I have my paper in front of me. Um, I want to take a step back because yesterday, I think there was a raise of hands where we asked how many people knew about the information that we would be discussing, how many people didn't. And um, I had to figure out what Web 1.0 was considered yesterday and throughout the week as I studied for this. Um, and I wanted to highlight that Web 1.0, uh, according to Tim Berners, can be looked at and as read, right? Web 2.0 can be considered read-write. And I think the way that we are potentially looking at Web 3.0 is read, write, and execute. And I think that that is possible and there's a lot of potential around that. And there are many, many nuances as, um, I think we can all agree on around this. But for me, the way that I see web 3.0, it's more existential. And I think I see web 3.0 as being something that, um, doesn't is non exploitative. It is secure and private and gives people true ownership of their data and doesn't thrive on ego. I think that is one of the biggest problems that we have of the web today.
0: So I'm curious, given that your work focuses very much on how communities respond to the web, when we're talking about things like what Didya just mentioned around a non-exploitative web, or thinking about how we engage in alternate forms of governance, what are the ways in which you're seeing communities respond to the current web today? And what are you seeing with your research around what people actually want? as the baseline for thinking about what could be designed or built, as opposed to starting from this position of, the tech is really cool, I have a beautiful, elegant protocol, and let's like retroactively apply humans around it.
2: Yeah, that's a a really great question. I think what we're noticing this past year, we spent a lot of time talking one-on-one to folks from our community, um, and our community being uh, people that range from the ages of 18 to 35, are people of color representing marginalized communities, Um, and it seems like they're trying to figure out a lot of the contradictions (laughs) that exist in how we look at the web. We look at our relationship with the internet and really understand what it all means. That's the biggest piece is that people, at least that I represent here today have no idea about the depth and the layers of what's truly happening when it comes to our data, our interaction with the internet and the possible future. So as far as governance and any, um, you know, the conclusions that folks have come to, I think they, they want to feel included in the way that we are building new technologies. And I think that starts with being made aware and having access to this information in simple language. I'll give an example, right? We talk about phishing a lot and phishing is a um, a potential, it's a scam, it's a risk, it's how people get exploited on the internet. And if you look up phishing as a definition on the internet, they use the word purporting. I still have no idea what the word purporting means, and I don't know that that is a simple language definition. And my north star is, if my dad, if my baba, gulam, doesn't understand a word, then that means that it's not accessible. And so for our community and the people that we're working with, accessibility, education, and then being allowed to give input into the processes is what is most important to them,
0: I would say. Right, and, and decentralization doesn't necessarily have anything to do with that, right? Decentralization, you could, on the one hand, oh yeah, it sounds good, but on the other hand, it's kind of this techno-libertarian wet dream, right? Uh, <laughs> of getting away from the original kind of government-owned, collective internet into individual freedom. But once you're an individual, you're just ripe for the slaughter, right? You're, you're no longer empowered. You're, you're made distinct from that thing that Maggie Thatcher hated called society, right? Society doesn't exist. We're just individuals and the blockchain allows us to realize that almost Hayekian dream of what automated Catalaxy, right? For the ultimate market fluidity to finally run society the way a market would. And that's not civics. You know, that's something else. That's your sneak peek of the panel I did at the Unfinished Festival at the Shed, a better web is possible. If you want to hear the whole thing, you can become a member of Team Human by going to teamhuman.fm and clicking on support. You'll get all sorts of stuff, access to the archives, uh, conversations from the vault with friends like Harvey Picard, Terrence McKenna, Timothy Leary, Joanna Harcourt-Smith. You can join Team Human by going to teamhuman.fm and clicking on support. In addition to full access to this bonus content, you'll be invited to live events, our Discord channel, and our Team Human Audio Salons. See you soon.